Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, July 24th. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, both from Irish Illustrated. Notre Camp opens on Wednesday, July 26th. The big news out of Notre Dame yesterday, or I guess I should say out of California yesterday, Kingston, Viliamu, Asa, the top 100 four-star pushing five-star linebacker, verbally committed to Notre Dame. He chose Notre Dame over USC and Ohio State. And um, Notre Dame really, really needed that one, Tim O'Malley. Notre Dame's ranking up to number nine, but beyond that, they really needed a boost on the defensive side of the football in particular. He is Notre Dame's third top 100 player in the class of 2024, but the first on the defensive side of the football. Nord, I know how Notre Dame fans were feeling yesterday. The Notre Dame media was looking for some good news as well, <laughs> heading into uh, the first week of practice. And KVA is is on board for at least for now, but I think that sticks, and we'll 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 uh, talk about that further moving forward here. Yeah, I always I always want to give credit where credit is due because Kevin Sinclair a couple of days prior is like, hey, I really like their chances, and then Tom Loy a little bit after is like, it's going to happen right away. We're all like, what? <laughs> it's just such good news for our message board. Something that doesn't matter as much as the Notre Dame football team, but it's really good news for the Notre Dame football team too. And the key, the reason highly touted players like this matter is because then your sleepers don't have to. They can help you. It's great if they're good, but you have to have guys that aren't all sleepers. And the linebacker recruiting hall in 2024 was becoming worrisome if they didn't get KVA. Yeah, and, and it, you put KVA in the equation yeah, with that was great. And, and Rizek, who I both think have – ability on this level no doubt yes. about it and now the whole obviously the whole group looks a whole lot better but you know when when we knew this was coming down the first thing that came to mind for me was you know we always talk about Nordane culture and Nordane fit and what Nordane's like and and right. we're, we're frequently uh ripped a little bit or at least I am for you know talking about the the quaintness of the of the Nordame campus which isn't the case anymore as you know Tim having grown up here it's it's changed but I mean that it was the reality of what the Notre Dame environment was like and in this instance usually Notre Dame is fighting against that environment in order to to yeah. you know convince kids to come here whereas in this situation just like Manti Teo although Teo's Situation. I mean, similar to Manti Tail with a similar culture, chose Notre Dame. His situation ended up being different. But what Notre Dame promotes, what they push, was exactly why KVA is is verbally committed to Notre Dame now. Yeah, it's that's rare when you have a player of that <clears throat> a player of that caliber and. uh when you put him with last with the with the uh, early enrollees, the crop that just came in, I know I have a question on this later, but you start liking the future of the linebacker room, whereas it was gloom and doom the future of the linebacker room. If you if you kind of whiffed or, or went with all sleep, we shouldn't say whiff, but you know that that's kind of what I was talking about. If if you're if you're banking on sleepers, that's not the way to go to finish a recruiting cycle. That those are supposed to be bonuses in a recruiting cycle, and now they're not. Yeah, this and this is a. I mean, I, you know, I wrote a film review on him in mid-May, didn't know whether Notre Dame would win the battle. I, I think, I mean, I always felt good about Notre Dame's chances again because it was a cultural thing. And he was a very good fit 
for what Notre Dame, uh, for what Notre Dame was looking for, what he was looking for as well. And so I felt like they had a really, had a good, really chance, good chance uh, uh, of getting him. But, um, you know, this is a, <laughs> I, I don't immediately the, the question is, what do they have left and what are they going to get? Well, I will, of course, talk about that. But I agree with you, Tim, in that this linebacker group now, when you when you put uh, when you put Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury in particular with KVA, uh, and I and I do like Cahoon and I do like Rezac's athletic ability. When you put those guys into the equation, this now becomes a strength. We have a question in the second segment about putting the 23 and 24 classes together and, and uh, you know, which areas are the best. Linebackers definitely on the defensive side. Linebacker is the most fortified from the last two classes. And Tim, with camp opening on Wednesday, I mean, targets – are limited, I think, going forward. Yeah. Um, Caleb Beasley is the first player I saw uh, last July or last June at Irish Invasion. Uh, before I could tell who it was by checking the roster, I knew who it was. So that is obviously he would be highest on the target list at this point. Yeah, Gurry Lambert too, though, and Notre Dame feels great about about him. I know that Kevin Sinclair and Tom Loy feel really good about Notre Dame landing him. I think he had he has potential to be a great player and really finish out that uh, that offensive line class uh, with Prescott and 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 Knapp and and Peter Jones. And that would be a miss at this point. Not getting oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. Beasley yeah. is the cherry on top. Yeah, to Beasley of course committed to Tennessee and that'll be a tough pull. And I I really do like Davis Andrews uh, but he of course is uh, the the safety he's going to go on a mission. So he's really more class of 2026 as opposed to 2024, which is fine because I mean, as long as you can get him in, uh, and and then he stays at Notre Dame, I, I think he has a ton of ability. But more to come on our recruiting guys regarding that. But yes, camp does open Wednesday, July 26. I know the rest of the nation. I know a lot of people that are listening to us today have been dealing with the heat in various parts of the country. Uh, Arizona out east, I know, has been getting hit. It's about to hit South Bend here. Right. Late in the week, projected temperatures at the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, are in the mid-90s. So it, it's going to be a bit of a battle for the Northern players who really, those that have been here since June, have had really very pleasant, uh, you know, South Bend summer weather, which is pretty rare. Usually by July, we we have had a ton of of hot and humid weather, and it's just hitting now at the end of the month. So that'll be That'll be a bit of a challenge, and obviously we'll be out there beginning uh, Wednesday. We'll have a full practice on Wednesday. Uh, what is it, partial on Thursday and Friday, Tim? Yeah, if partial for us, um, what, partial on Thursday and Friday. I do think that the timing of the heat isn't terrible and that Wednesday should be okay. Um, these are morning practices to remind everybody listening. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, Thursday and Friday is going to be rough as, as it gets on into the day, but I think – it's Sunday. Sunday should be the fifth practice. Off the top of my head, it could be Monday. Um, it's a little accelerated because the fifth practice is the full pads. The third is when you get some bigger, more shells. So Friday could be tough. I think that that could start getting tough on the players. Um, but boy, can you recall as much intrigue on the offensive side of the ball from your point of view going into camp as this time? Because I mean, last year it was kind of like, I wonder if Pine can see over the line and, <laughs> and throw slants. This well, is really it, exciting. It, yeah, it's so unusual to insert a player of Sam Hartman's ability. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that it, it's, I can't, I don't know how a situation like that <laughs> would have happened know. before. I'm trying to, th- you know, I mean, Clawson. Jimmy Clausen would be the time. Well, yeah, but that was yeah, spring, but, right? 
Yeah, but he wasn't established as a as a freshman. He was too weak. He had a horrible offensive line in front of him. I mean, just a completely different set of circumstances. Sure. And then, you know, Sam Hartman, like we can speculate about the wide receiver core, but Sam Hartman makes it so much better. But you don't know, like, how much. I mean, how how much is he going to be able to overcome the, the still inexperienced receiving core? More experienced in some respects, you know, Jaden – Jane Thomas and I think Tobias Merriweather hits the ground running. Deion Colsey has an opportunity to do that as well. But we'll we'll get into that. I, this first segment I want to do, you know, we're doing we're finishing up the counting down series, which Tim, I don't know about you, but man, it seemed longer this year than than previous summers. 89 counting down. We reached number three today. Number three is Ben Morrison, the cornerback, which of course leaves. Uh, two remaining in alphabetical order, Joe Alt and uh, Sam Hartman will be one and two. I, you know, uh, Bertrand. I, 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 we should note that I had a different one than you and Kevin. You did. Yeah. You yeah. did. And yeah. you had Morrison four. I, I, I had him. I did. You're right. Yeah. Cause it was, I mean, we all had the same people in the top five. Yeah. It yeah. was just, it was just where they were going to go from there. Um, yeah, that's I don't know I, the beginning. The beginning of the countdown for me was rough because somehow I drew alternatingly all of the uh, not going to play true freshman linemen. <laughs> so you can only say so, yeah. so much in May about a guy that is absolutely not going to play. I try to take those in different directions. Um, my question for you on the countdown is: Yeah, I had Morrison four. You guys had him three, but that just means I had estimate three, and you guys had him four. We all right. had uh, you I- both. Oh, Bertrand, you both had Bertrand five. I had him six. But that just switches Blake Fisher for us. It's it's pretty pretty yeah. easy to get look into these things. I someone questioned Bertrand being ahead of Fisher, and I, I mean, he's about to lead the team probably in tackles for the third straight year. He's going to be a two time captain. He's going to be a two time uh, defensive player of the year if he's healthy for Notre Dame. Yeah, he he played the twenty one season, all thirteen games with a broken wrist. Um, yeah. You know, I think he's I think he's earned that one spot over Blake Fisher. But I think, you know, I do think that Blake Fisher takes a significant step forward this year. Last year was, you know, it's like we talk about Leofow. I and everybody's been in, been hard on Leofow and uh, us too. And we get that. But a guy starting for the first time, you know, in a season mm-hmm. and going the second time through, I think Blake Fisher takes a huge step this year. And I think Blake Fisher and Morrison. I love Benjamin Morrison, obviously. I, I have him fourth, though, because I, I want Benjamin Morrison midseason for us to say he's a great corner, not he's a great freshman corner. Right. And there is a difference. Blake Fisher, I want to be able to say he's a nearly a great tackle, not a great redshirt freshman tackle. It's those guys have to be for real. And I this is like justifying estimate right now. I cannot see Audric estimate struggling this season. That's why I put estimate three. I just figured that is. Other than Hartman and Alt, it's as certain as you get for me in terms of having a quality year. I don't think he's a fumbler. I hope I'm right. He, you know, I, I the reason, I mean, there are a lot of reasons to, to love Audric Estime's game and the kid himself because he's he's yeah. wonderful to talk to. But I mean, he he gets so dialed into the game. And again, a, a, now a guy second time through, he's going to be that much better. I agree with you. You know, fumbles happen occasionally. I, I'll say this. If a fumble does occur, I don't expect another one shortly thereafter, like like last year. He had three in like a four week period last right, year. Right, exactly. Uh, I, I don't expect that to to be a problem. And you know, I, I the last thing, Tim, before we uh, wrap up this segment, 
we've been talking. There's a there's a few players here that we've been talking about that we still don't have any idea what they're like in person. Yeah. And so that group is is uh, Jeremiah Love, the running back, Caleb Smith, the wide receiver, Cooper Flanagan. These guys all arrived in June. Cooper Flanagan, the tight end, who I find pretty fascinating. Uh, four of the five offensive linemen, Jagasota, Absher, Odding, and Tarek. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm intrigued by, by Trior and, and uh, in particular and Mookum. And then you have a, a, a very speedy cornerback in, in Micah Bell. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, Schrader, the kicker, Krim, the punter, Carter, the the safety, yeah. all these guys. So, you know, those are guys that uh, we've been talking about. We've been rating them with their other teammates, and we still haven't seen them in person. So looking forward to that. Coming up, segment two, burning up the boards. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50-plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit Aerlingus.com to book today. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit GameDayYourWay.com. Welcome back to segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Our first question goes back to the KVA pledge. It's from Enforcers2117. Do you think getting KVA will make some guys like Justin Scott, Caleb Beasley, et cetera, second-guess decisions about not choosing Notre Dame and start to think, I'd like to play with that guy? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that depends upon KVA's you know, I mean, he seems like a pretty low key guy based upon yesterday's uh, uh, announcement. I, I don't, I don't know that players, some players look at that. I mean, you know, maybe Justin Scott wants to play with Peyton Pierce, who's verbally committed yeah. to, to Ohio state, although I wouldn't put him on the same level as uh, Billy Amuasa, but um, you know, in some instances that can help. I don't know why necessarily Caleb Beasley would look at it that way uh, if there's a previous relationship that's a that's a possibility but you know the guys the teams and the players in Notre Dame's contending with and for here uh, they got a bunch of good players too so I, I'm not I'm not sure that that comes into play unless there's a somehow a previous relationship developed right I would bottom line Caleb Beasley changing his mind or second guessing it all to this Notre Dame starts six and0 and seven and0. And Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart absolutely show out at cornerback against Ohio State and USC, while Caleb Beasley is watching and Tennessee's all offense, no defense. Because that the latter part is what Tennessee is right now, yeah. is all offense, all, no all of those factors come into play more than, than this. this one's mentioned by Enforcer 2117, which I think is the first time we've used uh, one of his or her questions, and we appreciate you you uh, participating now we have a question from statman 72 and he usually gets right to the the point and uh he did it again today and that his question is why should we believe kingston Viliamuasa 
won't turn out to be another Dante Moore, Keon Keeley, or Peyton Bowen. Of course, the reference to guys that that uh, won in Notre Dame looked like they won in Notre Dame, were coming to Notre Dame, and then didn't. Uh, I think it goes back to the culture topic we had in segment one for KVA. He's a great fit at Notre Dame. You could say Keon Keeley was also a great fit at Notre Dame, and it didn't work out, but great players are a great fit at Alabama, too. But to be fair to losing Keon Keeley, he didn't pick Miami. He didn't flip to Miami after going to Notre Dame. He flipped to Alabama. That is, their 17-year-olds do kind of want to play for national titles, too. So I, I never found that flip as I found it troubling because he didn't come to Notre Dame, but it wasn't like, Oh, what is Notre Dame doing here? If you go to Alabama in the last 13 years, you play for the national title. Sometimes kids want that guarantee. And I just don't think KVA has anything to do with Dante Moore or Peyton Bowen's recruitment or the way their whims of fancy and movement. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a great question. It's a question that should be asked by Statman 72 and I get that, but I, I, I think everyone here would be very, very surprised if KVA uh, changed his mind on this. Just the, I mean, you, we all saw the reaction in the, in, in his home uh, with family and friends. And when he made the announcement, I, I just don't. And again, you said culture, that's exactly what I wrote down, Tim. I think this is an extremely great cultural fit for Notre Dame. Uh, we've seen that before. Uh, and and I and I think that that's exactly what the case is with with KVA in in this situation. I would be, I think Notre Dame would be absolutely shocked if he ended up not coming to Notre Dame. So that one that one feels good. Anything's possible. Nothing is official. Oh yeah, I mean, no, if Notre Dame's three and three and gets obliterated in yeah. Game Seven, then that's just, yeah. <laughs> all those things become. That's all possible, but I don't. But I, but the cultural fit there is when he chose Notre Dame he had made up his mind that that's yeah. exactly what he wanted to be next from Ben Dorch. Can you discuss the 23 and 24 recruiting halls thus far as a tandem and also rank the top three position groups over the two year hall? Well, it's a, it's a good question. I don't know that we've gotten a, we've used a question from Ben Dorch before as well. Welcome. Um, when I do this, Tim, I, I gravitate towards the offensive side of the football. I think the tandems, at quarterback, running back, tandem classes, I should say, at classes, quarterback, yeah. running back, and wide receiver are pretty darn good. I would say linebacker on the defensive side because of what you mentioned in the first segment with Bowen and Osbury and KVA in particular. Uh, but it's mainly on the offensive side of the football for me. I'm completely with you. You have to do quarterback first because of C.J. Carr. Um, in terms of Maybe if you really have to weight it in terms of both classes, quarterback's not number one because I sure do like the seven wide receivers that they have brought in. Um, when you bring in seven players of that caliber, four will be all you need to hit, and it should be more than four, I think, in this situation, considering what we've seen from the young from the guys that were early enrollees. And of course, I'm on record for how much I like Aeneas Williams. Uh, <laughs> He was number one in my class. It's I have my reasons for that because I don't rate quarterbacks number one coming out of high school, Tim. It's a, it's a credo <laughs> I have. I don't care. But if you're not Trevor Lawrence, I don't rate you number one. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I the the tandem in the 24 class of Aeneas Williams and Kedron Young is yeah, yeah. is really really good. And then then on top of that, just the potential for Jeremiah Love. I, I've I've said that I think that he's right now 
you know, better athlete than, than football player per se, because he's got, he has to find his niche on the next level. We've talked about him catching the football, playing some receiver, uh, running between the tackles, all that, but there is absolutely no doubting the, the speed and athleticism of Jeremiah Love. You put those three together and that is, that is one hell of a talented group of running backs. I agree linebacker on the defensive side. Cause I really like, Osbury, Bowen, and KVA, and I like the possibilities of the other three. I wouldn't have said corner, um, except I like Christian Gray as much as anybody. So yeah. if Micah Bell ends up being good, then cornerback runs into this. Micah Bell, I believe, is an athlete too. Um, but fortunately, he has time to develop at Notre Dame because they have a really good cornerback situation right now, which has never, we've almost never been able to say that doing this podcast together. No, An incoming no. freshman that could be the fastest guy on the team has time to develop because the corners are so good. Yeah. Jumping back to the wide receivers, we saw what, what Jaden Greathouse could do uh, in, in the blue gold game. Um, you know, Cam Williams, very highly rated. Rico Flores impressed in the spring. I think, I think James in the class of 23 is going to take a little bit of time, but yes. what we know about his athleticism, you know, because we had to postpone last week's podcast, we haven't talked on a podcast about Logan Saldate, the the uh, the wide receiver that Nordin landed last week. I really like him. I you know he's he's a, he's worked mainly as a slot receiver. Um, I I I always talk about physical maturity. I think that you know the hips and the 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 lower body shows a lot of strength. He's been clocked at what ten eight in the the hundred. Yeah. I, I I think that he is a very you know and I it, and I, and I get the criticism of of the the three star guys and I know it's cliche all the time to say well this you know diamond in the rough and all that but at the end of the day our judgment is based upon watching film and when I watch that kid I think he can play at this level the same way when I see uh, you know Teddy Rizak he is a he's a great athlete now if he can develop into a a top-notch, you know, college linebacker, then you really have something. I think Bodie Cahoon is is a very good prospect coming out of high school that, again, doesn't necessarily have the rating. So I'm playing to the stereotype here, I guess. But at the end of the day, we make our judgment based upon film, and I like a lot of the film that we see. I think the second best thing about Rizak, Cahoon, and Saldate are this, is the exact same thing. Number one is we like their film. Number two is the people that are joining them. KVA, linebacker, Micah Gilbert and Cam Williams at wide receiver. That that is the reality of it. When you have a wide receiver now, it's great that he's a diamond in the rough. You can have a diamond in the rough because you have Cam Williams. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's a good way to put it, Tim. And, and, um, you know, like other positions, I think, you know, I think I think defensive end could be a strength. Uh, a little bit concerned about the defensive tackle combination of the last two classes. I, I am on record say, saying that Seve, I think Sevilano can be really, really good. We don't know about Devin Houston. We don't know where Brendan Vernon ends up. Uh, and so they're a little short there, you know. How about safety? We haven't touched on. I, I was just I was just going to go to that because Briante Johnson, I think we all really love, but he has to learn how to play the position. Um Benny Powell, I think, is a guy that has to prove himself, and Erlacher has to really prove himself and find the best spot for him because he's a very physical guy. I think he's better closer to the line of scrimmage, but in his mind, he's more 
he's more pure safety. Yeah. So, and the uh, staff likes Minnick. Um, the coaching staff, I mean, likes Minnick. And I liked Schuler coming in as well. Um, I really liked the class. I had Schuler lower than I would have in other classes, I think. That's either I'm incorrect or uh, the classes. I remember I mentioned Flanagan and Schuler were like my cutoffs of guys I like. That is incredible yeah. compared to other classes. I will say one thing about the safeties, though. When you bring in five in this era, we're not going to get to know a couple of them by the end of it. Yeah, and we've seen that in the, in the past. We didn't talk about the offensive line, um, but they're, you know, Lambert. I would put Lambert at the head of that pack, provided he ends up in Notre Dame. Hmm. Then probably Jagasa. Yeah, Jagasa. Definitely Jagasa next then, and then somewhere Absher. I think Prescott has a chance to be really good. He's more of a – maybe a little bit more of a project to grow into his body. Uh, and then Pendleton. Pendleton did some good things this this spring. Um, yeah, the staff loves Pendleton, um, and I was lower on Pendleton. I, I think I mentioned this on another podcast. I like Tom Loy's point about Pendleton. The people he talked to in recruiting that know such things really like Pendleton. So we'll see how that plays out as well. well I saw the, the, you meet the, Pendleton, you love him for crying out loud. Yeah, the yeah, and the best film of Pendleton in high school was a really I had him rated higher. Than you did too, because mm-hmm. that's film of Pendleton. Um, I thought was really, really good. And yeah. so when you see that, you know that he's capable of playing to that level. Question from uh Jack Mac 99. I know K- KBA doesn't play the same position as Justin Scott, but does his commitment quote replace the loss of Justin Scott? I'd say 100 percent yes on the four horsemen lounge and uh no on the football field because you need them both. Both, always both, Tim. Yeah, I mean, I don't I like even... KVA more than Justin Scott, but the best thing about it, adding Justin Scott would be that he would also be on the team. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't look at this as a replacement. I mean, that's a they they have an issue in this class at at three technique. Yeah, and and so nothing replaces it. Uh, somebody asked whether KVA would end up being an edge guy. I don't, I don't think so. I think that's that's linebacker all the way, uh, highly rated linebacker. There's no reason to mess with that. In my film review in May, I said bigger, stronger, faster, Manti Tail. I stay, I stand by that. I mean, first of all, the evolution. Well, faster, I definitely agree. Uh, I mean, he's bigger in stature. Tao was not that fast. He was quick no, to the wasn't. ball. He was so quick to the ball. It was no, ridiculous. But, the, but, but as I often say, the evolution of man, they're 12 years apart. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. AVA should be better than Manti Tao. Faster than, I mean, better athletically than Manti Tao. Yes. Uh, Manti Tao made it so the around. opponents didn't run a screen <laughs> from 2010 through 2012. I'm not, please, I'm not <laughs> saying Manti Tao wasn't great. I'm just saying 12 years later, this longer, larger, and faster linebacker. Now, Manti Teo had tremendous instincts, well prepared for every game. Um, you know, which when I say that, it's like, wh- why do we like JD Bertrand so much? Because he plays so far beyond his stature, because he knows the opponent inside out. He's totally prepared, and he is very quick in short space. Not not open space, short space. Um, 
and so that's why we've always been really, really high on him. But I, you know, I, I stand by that. Uh, no offense to Manti Teo, he was an awesome, yeah, awesome he was pretty good. <laughs> but 12 years later, um, the evolution of man should play in the favor of KVA. All right, I sit by you at games, right? Pardon me, I sit by you at college <laughs> yes. football games, right? You so, in, in 2025. When Osbury, Sneed, and KVA are starting, every time there's a successful screen pass, I'm going to look over you and say, that wouldn't happen if Fanti Teo was the linebacker, and that will solve this issue right All right, duly noted. I'll be prepared for that. Next from DL Call 01, camp opens this week. What things are you looking for on offense and defense, and which young players are going to watch closely? I will say camp is the time where I'm really intrigued by the young players when I show up week one, and then week two, I start getting into the Notre Dame football team. We, we always get these questions, and I, and I totally get why we do, but the fact of the matter is we get so little access, uh, and then, you like, on on Wednesday, Tim, one of us is going, we're going to, on uh, each side of the ball, we'll be uh, watching. There is so much to watch that you that we're, we're not in a position to stick with a guy for 10 minutes. Um, ha- having said that, the first guys I'm going to look for, of course, are all of the ones that we mentioned in the first segment. Jeremiah Love, Caleb Smith, Cooper Flanagan, the offensive lineman, Triara in particular, Micah Bell, uh, and then the, the grad transfers as well. But uh, it's 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 a little bit frustrating because it is so fast and furious. You don't have it. You don't have time. If you spend yeah. five minutes on one guy, you're going to miss four others. Uh, during two of those minutes. So it's hard to do, but I, I, for me, it starts with the guys we just haven't seen in person. Yeah. And I, I do lean towards the transfers because we haven't seen them in person and we're going to see them right away in yeah. September. Antonio so. Carter. And to, I, I mean, yeah. if, I don't, if you have defense, I'm still going to be ch- looking for Antonio Carter uh, at least for a few reps just to, because I'm I'm anticipating he's a guy that's going to hit the hit the ground running for another day. Thomas Harper is the starting nickel. I, I cannot overestimate. I cannot overvalue the starting nickel in Notre Dame's defense. He plays yeah. more than one linebacker does by a wide margin. And Thomas Harper, if he's not the starting nickel, and I like Clarence Lewis as a reserve at multiple positions, but if Thomas Harper is not the starting nickel, if he can't make it and stay healthy, then Clarence Lewis is your starting nickel, and that is not Tariq Bracy. No, definitely not. Uh, I wonder if they dabble back again with Jaden Mickey, but Mickey's I mean, got okay. Home. Then Jaden Mickey's your starting nickel, and that yeah, is not Tariq Crazy. And no, it's not. And it's probably not Thomas Harper either, because Thomas Harper proved himself as a very capable nickel at Oklahoma State. Yeah, you have to be able to tackle very well at that position because you're not playing on third and ten; yeah. you're playing on first and ten quite often against many teams. Yeah, and Thomas Harper is absolutely a hitter. Yes. He's the guy I want to see. Yep. Question from DFW Irish 14. Love the Irish Illustrated roster countdown series. If you had a crystal ball, which would most improve your season expectations for the team's one loss record? One, Billy Shrouth finished in the top 12. Two, Sam Hartman finishes as the no doubt number one. Three, Camp Hart finishes in the top five. And four, Jordan Botello finishes in the top five. I'm not going to say Hartman because I'm totally fine with Joe Alt finishing number one. Or if Joe Alt's healthy, what if Audrick Estime finishes as number one because he scores 20 touchdowns? That's fine. If you want to say Hartman finishes the no doubt number one in New York, that would be my choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say Batello in the top five would be 
a game changer for Notre Dame. Isaiah Foskey was not in the top five. Was he in the top five? And he is probably in the top five at the end of 2021. He was not in the top five at the end of 2022. Right. So that would be a game changer. Um, I, I can't imagine Hart. This is the weirdest thing to say. I can't imagine Hart finishing the top five and I ranked him eighth. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. I just don't uh, see. Yeah, it's not, it's not like he's not within striking distance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I mean, I, I agree with you, Botel, with Botello, because I think they're, I mean, the greatest concern on the defensive side of the ball is pass rush and one A is, is being stout on a regular basis on the interior defensive line. Billy Shrouth, look, he's going to get schemed sometimes because the kid has yeah. just never seen it in live competition and they're bigger and faster, uh, even if he has seen that particular approach in, in, uh, in high school competition. But he'll be fine. He's a really good football player. He'll make some mistakes. Uh, I, there's no hesitation whatsoever from, from my perspective as to whether – he should be in the starting lineup or does he go into the start of fall as a number one? He's going to be fine. Hartman doesn't have to finish number one for me. Um, Cam Hart's important, but Jordan Botello is more important. Yeah. Uh, I suppose if Cam Hart is in the top five and the other top five are Hartman, Fisher, Alt, and Benjamin Morrison, you have just put together the most important positions for a successful college football team in the modern yeah. era so that'd be pretty good but th- this is a good question uh we under undervalued billy Schroth at 28 i think it's safe to say there's a reason we did it and you illustrated it right there he is going to get schemed he's not going to be as good this year as he is next year the, the following year yeah. quentin nelson was not a top 12 player for notre dame in 2015 as a redshirt freshman i don't you know i i don't think that he will other than I think we're low on 28. I think he'll be better than that. I, no, I would, I would agree. I don't remember off the top of my head where I had him. I think I probably had him higher than that, but um, it's a good question. It's important that Shroud is consistent. Frankly, I'm more concerned about the consistency of Andrew Christoffic than, than yes. Billy Shroud, yeah. right? I mean, you feel the same way? I do. Yeah. Hartman can finish. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're right about Esme. Hartman can finish. He doesn't have to finish number one. He's, he should have a, a real quality season. The return of Denver Maximus, a question that he posed, what can we expect from the special teams units this year? What can we expect from the kickers and the return teams, even though he has shown very little? I assume we will see Chris Tyree on kick returns. Denver Maximus' return is like uh, Vincent, Michael Vincent and DJ Brown. He's in his uh, he's in his sixth season here as a poster, at least going into this situation. That is. That is. Uh, I don't think Chris Tyree will be on kick returns. Um, I mean, he could be. But when a new, I think it could have been moved out of it by Mason, had Mason returned. And I think a new special teams coordinator coming in and Biagi will open that door to other people, possibly to younger players. It is also a devalued position in the modern game. Uh, I never think of ball security being that big of a deal on kick returns unless you're really sloppy. I know CJ Sanders had a couple when he was younger that he dropped and that hurt Notre Dame a lot. I think he'll move off of kick returns. I don't, I don't think he showed well enough to do so other than the one massive seismic return for for multiple reasons i wish you had been with me the day that that i sat down with marcus freeman because then you would have been able to uh either discredit or validate what i thought i saw from him when i brought up devin ford because he was excited to say that devin ford also has a special teams background he didn't return punts at penn state i didn't i didn't like i had no idea when he said that at the time so when I came 
when I got back to my computer, looked up, uh, you know, what, what Ford had done and he did return kickoffs. I think he returned 12 in 2021 or 2020. He didn't have big numbers, but. 12 is about what you get though for a season nowadays, if that sounds low. Well, that's true. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, but like when you watch his film, when we were doing film reviews and watching his film, he is a, he is a North South runner with great speed. And that is tailor made for kick returns. And sure. I think that he gets a great shot at that. I, I think you make a good point about Biagi. Um, you know, I, I, yesterday we, uh, we, we posted the first rate series on special teams. It's hard to rate Notre Dame because they don't have Brian Mason. Will they, are they going to block seven punts and kicks again? Probably not, but Biagi does have a punt kick blocking, um, you know, background from his coaching experiences. So it's difficult to evaluate them. I had Notre Dame third among Notre Dame and their 12 opponents. Duke once again popped up as they got, they have everybody back in the the key spots. Uh, I was watching their spring game yesterday because I'm really fascinated by, by the way, Mike Elko has been able to turn that program around. They're really good on special teams. I think Notre Dame should be too. They have, I, I believe Notre Dame has one of the better special teams coaches in the country. Last year, they had one of the top two. Yes. With, yes with that's true. Yeah. And we probably would be saying top one if we didn't uh, end up having Notre Dame play South Carolina and watch yeah. all the film of yeah, that no, team because he was quite a special teams coach. Um, Sean Wilson, you remember the name Sean Wilson? Speaking of Duke, here's a segue. Sean Wilson. Backup kick returner for Duke in 2016, who brought a kickoff right back for a touchdown when they upset Notre Dame. He was the backup kickoff return guy for crying out loud, and we can't get a kick return. All right. But Chris Tyree, I think I mentioned ball security. I meant to say it's not as important as on punt because that is literally the number one thing every coach thinks about for punt, not if you can score. Special teams are interesting for me in camp. Spencer Schrader will be the place kicker. He is a better kicker than Zach Yokum in terms of place kicking, we have been told um, by everybody that we ask. Uh, he's again, there's film of that. And he's a good, he's a quality yeah. athlete too. I'm looking forward to seeing Spencer. Yeah. Zach Yoakum is still in the kickoff um, specialist role, possibly. Um, although he did lose the battle last year in what did it take? About five minutes, quote unquote, by Brian Mason for Bryce McPherson to win it. I don't know why McPherson wouldn't win it again, if that's the case, other than he's working to be a punter. And he's got to go against Ben Krim, who they brought in from Penn. And you made a really good point when we we're doing the countdown, Tim. Why do they bring in Ben Krim? if they don't think he can start. Yeah, I think that's a consistency factor. I, a little known fact, Schrader was fourth in the country in touchback percentage last year. So he, I mean, he, there's a legitimate three-way pursuit of that job, of that job and all have, have proven they're capable of doing it. Well, new, new, new Monday musing. Would you rather be deep, deep at kickoff specialist or uh, nose tackle? I'm going to go with the latter. Next question from MRUS10. Very curious to hear a greater expansion of the linebacker rotation. If Kaiser is now the will and Bertrand is the mic, how does everyone else rotate in behind? Do we have any idea on when the underclassmen are slotted and who leads in that crew for snaps heading into fall camp? We we have a, a decent idea how they're slotted, but I can't say that we know this for sure. I mean, I'm looking at, as far as backups for, for Kaiser and Bertrand, I think we know they want to use Leofile off the edge. Does that preclude him from be, being a will linebacker? Probably not. But I do think that Nolan Ziegler is a guy that they really started fast tracking 
with the first unit, first and second units in the spring. And I would I would consider him to be the backup for both spots unless Leofau is still, you know, working at working at will linebacker while uh, working on sub packages off yeah. the edge. I look at it a little differently in that Ziegler can be the backup Mike and Jalen Snead can be the backup Will because I don't think Snead is a rover. Fair enough. Which makes you say, who is the rover? <laughs> it's Thomas Harper, the nickel, really, but who's the rover? Someone's going to come out at rover. Maybe maybe Leofile's a rover. Yeah, do they trot out Leofile? But he doesn't He doesn't do any I, of the, the actual yeah, rover he, role when you're, when you're in deep zone coverage and stuff, but... I don't know. I, 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 that's going to be interesting because I think Osbury, I think Osbury plays. I, we both I we both are very high on Osbury, and I think he, I think he plays at Rover, but I I don't know that we have a definitive answer. It's a great question because we don't we don't have a definitive answer right now. We're going to get a much better idea within uh, by before the week is out. Next from Irish Fan One Hundred and Two: If NBC is willing to pay an average Big Ten school one hundred million annually, why wouldn't Notre Dame command that at a minimum? Because Notre Dame only plays six home games on NBC. I I mean, I, I get the question. I do think that NBC ultimately uh, raises the payout to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's one school. I mean, help me, help me with this, Tim. What what am I what am I not? I, I already took a lot of grief for saying I I agree with the question and I don't care on our message board. Oh, last I saw that. Yeah. Why, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't quite understand why you I don't and it's okay with me if Notre Dame doesn't command that much money to the, the Big Ten school does for oh. all the reasons you said. It has nothing to do with the Goog or anything else. I'm not saying I don't care about things that they're off the field. This is not that big of a deal. Well, what am I what am I missing? I think it's because th- there's only six six games for Notre Dame. And I mean, I I'm, think people are worried about the prestige aspect of it and how Notre Dame isn't viewed from the outside. I'm 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 asking readers to answer my question. What am I missing here? Because and actually, this was this was going to be in on last week's podcast when we had to when when we had to pull the plug because I thought it was an interesting question. I don't I don't know what I'm missing here other than the fact that Notre Dame there's only six home games. So is it seven with? It's six. It's six. It's six. Yeah, it's six. So I don't know. Good question. I don't have the answer apparently. Question from uh, Martin Evenflow: Which aspect of your, which aspect are you most concerned about heading into the season? Place kicking, safety opposite Watts, or the interior offensive line? I'd say safety, because as much as we like Watts, I still need to see him make some plays in the ball. Safety opposite Watts, obviously bigger than Watts. Uh, then the interior, and I think place kicking is fine. I don't know if Martin Evenflow knows that Schrader simply wasn't on campus in the spring. And as we just talked about it, they have the best, deepest kickoff unit in the country, apparently, as one, two, three kickers. <laughs> I, I watched a ton of film of Schrader, not just kicking, but soccer and just being an athlete. And I've always said I prefer an athlete as opposed to a kicker or a punter, a guy that. Well, like Bramblett. Well, he was, he was an athlete. He, I mean, he was a very good athlete. Yeah, well, and Tyler Newsom. Yeah. I mean, Tyler Newsom is a spectacular athlete who made himself extremely strong. So I prefer guys like that. Um, the safety opposite Watts, I think DJ Brown's underrated, although not a great player. I think Antonio Carter II is going to be a very good player for Notre Dame. 
and even better in 2024. Interior offensive line, uh, as previously stated, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more concerned about con the consistency of Christophic. And I, you know, I made a comment during the uh, first rate series about offensive line about Notre Dame's depth, and the the comment and response was, "Well, what team, you know, does have depth on the offensive line because they never get to play?" And I to I totally get that. I just I think the drop off from Christophic to somebody else. I, 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 I'm not a, in the, the Spindler camp based upon right, right. a handful of good plays that we saw in, in the blue goal game. Now, maybe he's, maybe he's responding to Joe Rudolph. I certainly hope so. Um, so I guess, I guess I would say interior offensive line. Um, I don't know. It's a good question. It is a good question. I think safety only because Antonio Carter's a corner coming to save the day at safety okay. right now. Yeah, that's, well, that's fair too. I think DJ Brown, you know, I think most people forget that DJ Brown tied for the team lead in interceptions a couple of years ago. Now, I think he didn't build on it. That's why I think people forget. No, right? he did. was, was no, he didn't. And when, it, and when his playing time expanded, I think that showed a little bit. So I guess I'll pick number two, uh, although I do think Antonio Carter, the second, is going to end up being a really good safety for Notre Dame. Sean OD64, either that or CNOD64. Any insight into adjustments for Navy after last year's near collapse in the second half? I'm slightly concerned. Navy's all-out pressure giving Navy's all-out pressure looks giving Jared Parker some fits in his first game as offensive coordinator. Yeah, and by the way, this is this is our last question of uh, of today's Irish Illustrated Insider. Um, good question, one that I've certainly given strong consideration to as, as well. Um, you know, I do think that playing them in an opener is it's beneficial just in general. Certainly Jared Parker is going to be, he's going to tear apart everything that, uh, that Brian Newberry did defensively last year. They just, they sent everybody at, at, uh, at Notre Dame's offensive line and they didn't handle it. Now, Sam Hartman will be the quarterback this year. And that, that, that right there should, should be a, a significant difference, but they're going to get overrun by Navy again, or at least Navy is going to try to do that. I just think Notre Dame is going to be much better prepared because of what they experienced last year. Jared Parker was there. He didn't, he wasn't calling the plays, but Jared Parker experienced that with Tommy Reese as well. So uh, always a concern when a defense is that aggressive and you, you, you showed for 30 minutes that you had a, a really, really difficult time handling that. Yeah. And 30 minutes prior, they, shelled them with Drew Pine and wide receivers that were not up to snuff compared to what we have now. Tobias Merriweather uh, had a concussion. Braden Lindsay had a good day. Jaden Thomas was still growing. He became a good player as time went on. I think Sam Hartman will shell that secondary if that's what they do. And I think it's a great idea to do it. You have to take away something from Notre Dame. You don't want Audrick Estime getting going and then having Sam Hartman doing play action pass. I would make Notre Dame beat me that way too, but it's more fun to make Drew Pine beat you that way than Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman is going to be so aware of the hot route opportunity for him that 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 in itself should make a difference. Now, here's where we were talking about Billy Shrout. They're going to throw us, and that's a very, very veteran. That's a quality veteran defensive line for Navy. I, I realize that they didn't play in a Power 5 conference, but they gave up 3.07 yards per carry last year. They're really good. So they're going to throw some stuff at uh, – uh, you know, not not just Shrouth, but uh, Christophic as well, and uh, and 
you know, we we've seen Corral get overpowered at center, you know, as well. So uh, that'll be a tough challenge. I do want to, uh, I asked you, Tim, before we started this segment, and I don't think most people realize that in week, what is it? Four uh, game four. And when Notre Dame plays central Michigan, I'm not sure most people realize who their head coach is. Why don't you tell everybody, Tim? Yeah, Jim McElvain. <laughs> the oldest. We were shocked. And then I assumed he was in like his second year. He's in his fifth. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention to Central Michigan enough. Yeah, and I realized that McElwain didn't, you know, at uh, Florida, Florida. It, was a, it was a pretty short experience there, but he did win 19 games in his first two years at Florida. It was a weird experience, too. Yeah, it was. He opened his head coaching career at Colorado State, and he had a 10-win season there. And he's had eight and nine-win seasons at Central Michigan, although they slipped to four and eight last year. So that'll be kind of an interesting coaching matchup, a guy with some experience there in week four when Notre Dame plays Central Michigan the week before playing Ohio State. So you could see Notre Dame being a little bit maybe off their mark, especially after coming uh, coming home from a game with NC State in week three. So a uh, lot to look forward to with this schedule, Tim, and we're going to be there for those games. And uh, we're going to be on the practice field here this Wednesday when Notre Dame opens fall camp, it'll be a full practice. We'll have access to the entire practice. And then our plan is for uh, sometime on Thursday, after our abbreviated viewing of the practice on Thursday, we will also have another Irish Illustrated Insider. And we'll have a chance to talk to, yeah, we'll have a chance to talk to uh, Jared Parker. So we'll have some offensive notes for Thursday's podcast as well. And by the time we reconvene on Monday, we'll have spoken with Al Golden for the, uh, for the month normal Monday podcast. Great. Looking forward to it. We're all looking forward to it more now that uh, KVA is part of the Nordame program as well. That certainly sets a, a very positive tone as Nordame opens. The next man, Titeo, apparently. He's going to be out there winning Heisman's. I said, it. I said it before I even knew that he was coming to Nordame, so I have to stand by it. Until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, thanks for joining us for Irish Illustrated Insider. Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dublin.ie Have you ever felt uneasy signing a lease for a house or a car? You'll know a little how Arthur Guinness felt when in 1759 he signed a 9,000 year lease for the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. He was a shrewd businessman of course because over 250 years later the annual payment remains just £45. Want to find out more? Be sure you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours.